Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Notre Dame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. This is episode 40. Uh, we are taking a look at the big win over BYU in the Shamrock Series game out in Las Vegas. Um, and we're going to also as well preview the Stanford game coming up this weekend on Saturday night inside Notre Dame Stadium. Don't have enough time to do two this week. Um, so just going to get the one in. I'm actually going to be going to the game on Saturday, so looking forward to uh, getting to South Bend, um, shout out to uh, Dominic Giuliani and Chris Crater. It's the DCD tailgate weekend this weekend, um, so super excited to hang out with Dom and Chris. Um, they're coming in on Friday, and we're going to drive to the Bend and uh, spend Friday night and then go to the game on Saturday and spend Saturday night and come back on Sunday. So really looking forward to that. It will be a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, let's kind of get to it as it relates to everything that took place uh, this past weekend out in Las Vegas. And joining us on the podcast, we have special returning guest, um, good friend of the pod, good friend of mine here, um, Rob Desitels. Uh, for those of you guys that know him, know him well, Sweets. Uh, he's joining us on the pod. So, uh, Sweets, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about Vegas. How was your trip out there? Hey guys, hey Drew. Thanks for the invite again. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a pretty awesome weekend out in uh, in Las Vegas. A um, bunch of buddies from Notre Dame went out there. Matt McKay, Scott Schaefer's, Eric Friedman, and uh, Steve McNeil. We uh, we got there on Friday. And uh, had a great time, you know, doing the Vegas thing. And um, and then uh, you spent some time at the pool, had some good dinner on Friday. And then Saturday we got up and, uh, you know, kind of did it all over again. And we watched uh, some college football and played a little cards, of course. And, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, the, the, we stayed at the at the Delano, which is the new, it's a new newly branded tower right next to Mandalay Bay. And it couldn't have been more convenient. I mean, we there's basically right off the Mandalay Bay, a casino floor is a walk path out to the main street and then right across to the stadium so it's not no more than a five ten minute walk to the stadium and uh i tell you that's it's a really pretty awesome stadium it's a it's a it's a dome uh, it's got a like a translucent i don't know what kind of material it is but it, the sun comes through the roof so it's a very bright stadium with a big window that overlooks the strip um and we were i think we were in the 300 section so hot, a little higher but uh we got tickets uh, day of the game uh, there were some tickets on ticket pass to be grabbed so um, great atmosphere. I was, uh, you know, pretty impressed with the BYU crowd. They traveled fairly well, I'd say. You know, it was probably 60-40, maybe 65-35 Notre Dame fans. So there was a lot of BYU fans. We were in the BYU corner, so it was very loud where we were. Uh, but it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the stadium was, was really loud. Complete sellout. I think I heard uh, after the game that it was the largest it was the largest football crowd at the stadium largest college football crowd at least. It might have even been the largest football crowd. Uh, so it was completely sold out. I think they mentioned uh, a couple of people said when they had the Las Vegas Bowl last year, you know, they had maybe 45,000 people there. This place was rocking. Um, you know, it was a great atmosphere. And then the, the game, uh, the game was great. I know we'll talk a lot more about that, but it had a great time. It was a, it was a really fun experience. So I, I, I could see Notre Dame definitely scheduling another one out there in the next you know, four or five years. 
Yeah, I thought it. Um, I agree. I thought you know, watching it on TV here at home. Um, shout out to Kevin Kale. He came over and watched it with me. Um, it looked like an awesome atmosphere. And actually, I talked to, um, and we were talking a bit about this earlier. Augie, Augie Rizzo, who was out there as well, a good friend of the podcast, um, and he said he watched the tape um, when he got back home. And I don't know if you did this as well, Sweets, but Augie said you couldn't, uh, based on watching it on TV. He said it wasn't, it wasn't as. It, it, it was definitely a whole lot louder in the stadium, and it, you couldn't tell how loud it actually really was um, on the broadcast. But he said it was just like you said. He said it was rocking. He said it was like it was like you know super super loud. So did you? I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. Did it seem like it was louder while you were there? Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched some clips, um, and I watched some uh, you know some just bits and pieces of it. It was it definitely didn't sound as loud on television as it was in person. Uh, the BYU BYU fans came came to play. I mean, they, the, the crowd was was into it. Uh, they tried to drown out any of the Notre Dame, you know, stuff that was put on. They, you know, they treated it like any other Shamrock Series game where they did all the, the shtick from any time it was a home game at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, they did the entrance the same way. They did the halftime uh, Notre Dame band the same way. They did their, you know, third between third and fourth quarter lights celebration where they turned all the lights off in the stadium and did the whole green light flash with that song they like to sing that I know most people uh, don't like uh, some people do like uh, you know so it felt like it, it was done just like any other shame marker it was a it was a home game atmosphere but the BYU fans were very very loud and uh, they they did their best to cheer on uh, BYU so it was it was a great atmosphere I, I had a really good time just being at the game uh, as well as just the rest of the weekend it was awesome so cool yeah I think um, a couple quick facts about it um, I heard this on one a couple of the other podcasts in that a lot of people are wondering before they started the game which field they were going to use because um, I guess UNLV, UNLV uses the field turf and the Raiders use grass. They used the UNLV field turf, um, so that was definitely something that they did. And the other thing that I thought was really neat, um, I thought the white uniforms looked awesome on TV. They were really cool. I actually, if you listen, if you guys listen to my last podcast, there I think I rated um, those uniforms my favorite Shamrock Series uniforms, uh, the most recent ones. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, they popped really well on TV. Obviously, playing against the black of BYU was you know. A, total contrast so it was really you could tell obviously everything but i don't know how they look in person so what do you think about the uniforms yeah the uniforms are great i'm glad they didn't mess with the helmets you know the helmets were just the standard notre dame helmets which look good uh, the, the gold striping and, and everything on the, on the uniforms look good but the contrast of the dark blue dark black eyu uh, uniforms with notre dame's white it was it was a good it was a good contrast between the two teams so um and yeah i, I heard that as well I, I didn't realize that unlv did not play on the grass until i got there uh, they so for UNLV games, they roll out the grass, I guess, kind of like they do in the Arizona Stadium, and they keep the turf underneath, and that's where they have the, or maybe the turf's on top, I don't know, but it was definitely the artificial turf. I thought the uh, the end zone Notre Dame and Fighting Irish logo and that, like, 3D block style was pretty crazy to see in person. I don't know if they came across on TV, but it looked very 3D-like. Um, but, you know, they did all the shtick there to do the Shamrock Series games. You know, they've, it's got its pluses and its minuses, but um, for the pure game day atmosphere, it was it was awesome. Uh, the crowd was was huge, and uh, you know I thought it was it was a great game too. So it was it was the full package. It, they did a really good job. It wasn't it wasn't like Washington State against Notre Dame in, in, the, in the in the Alamo Dome or one of those other you know, Arizona State at Dallas Cowboys. It has no interest. The fact that they picked a team that's so close to the the, the hosting city, you know the BYU fans I heard pretty much in mass. A lot of them just made the made the trip down the highway and drove. It's only like a five hour drive, I think. So. You know, having a, a team, a, a competitor there that was, was into it as well just made it a great, great atmosphere. 
Yeah, I think this will give them maybe a little bit of an idea as it relates to how they should run these Shamrock Series games moving forward because, yeah, if they can rep- replicate that atmosphere moving forward, it's just going to make this game bigger every year. Um, so glad you had an awesome time, Sweets. Um, thanks for bringing home the win. Um, yeah, let's take a look Let's take a look at the kind of the game overall. Um, for those of you that followed it and obviously watched it, it was a 28-20 Irish victory. Um, BYU, uh, actually Notre Dame on the first drive, intercepted uh, – their quarterback on the first play, Notre Dame got the ball, ended up you know stalling on a drive and got a field goal to go up three nothing. Then BYU, um, you know, got the ball and ended up driving and had a really nice touchdown drive to take a six three lead. Actually, they missed the extra point, um, which wasn't surprising because their field goal kickers are awful there at BYU. Um, and then the Irish went on a little bit of a roll. We had a Michael Mayer touchdown in the second quarter. Um, the Irish got a safety after a drive stalled on the one yard line. BYU stopped us, um, so good to kind of finish off that drive that didn't end with the touchdown and get the safety right away on that first play when BYU had the ball. Then the Irish got the ball back right before halftime and a really nice pass and catch um, by Pine to Thomas for the Irish to take an 18-6 lead into half. And then the Irish got the ball to start the third quarter, had a really long scoring drive, taking up almost uh, almost seven minutes of the clock, uh, followed that by with uh, – or excuse me – Ending the drive with a nice pass complete to Michael Mayer to go up 25-6. I think at this point, a lot of us thought, okay, kind of the route was on. Um, BYU then scored uh, two touchdowns, busted play by the Irish on the defense, so a long pass from Jaron Hall. Irish were up 25-13. BYU then in the beginning of the fourth quarter scored to cut the lead to 25-20. The Irish scored with about six minutes left on a field goal to go up 28-20. Irish stopped BYU on a fourth down drive, and then the Irish were able to run out the clock. So, um, sweets, uh, what were you kind of thinking when uh, when BYU uh, you know cut the lead to twenty five twenty? Were you getting some? I know a lot of people, if you looked at Twitter at that time, were saying, oh, you know, Fiesta Bowl flashbacks to the, the Irish kind of blowing a lead. How was? What were your thoughts at that point? And were you, were you nervous, or did you th- kind of think, hey, we still have this game? Yeah, it was an interesting back and forth. I mean, we, when we went up twenty five to six, you know, we totally relaxed in the stands right we, we felt like like you said the route was going to be on we were going to you know maybe win and you know just keep piling it on um but i think once they cut it to 25 20 i didn't have the feeling at any point and this was weird i didn't have a feeling at any point that, it, that we were going to lose the game even when we got to 25 20 the way we were able to kind of exert ourselves when we needed to you know mayor was just a beast he was catching everything he was getting open, and you know, for the first time, I mean, not you know, the North Carolina game, we had a pretty good uh, grasp of the offensive line. But for the first time, I think this year, Pine had a clean pocket for a lot of the game. He was really able to sit back there and stand the field. Now, you know, he stared down Mayer many, many times, and it didn't matter. He was still able to complete the passes to Mayer because Mayer just was a beast, and the, the BYU DBs just could not could not control him or even cover him. And when they could, he still caught the ball. So, I never had. It never entered my mind about the Oklahoma State Fiesta Bowl game. It never felt like it was going to go that route. I felt like we get the ball back when it was 25-20. We'll put some level of points on the board, and we were fortunately able to get that field goal to make it a you know a touchdown and a two-point conversion lead at 28-20. So I never had that feeling. Um, you know, so I, I think it, maybe that's that's a good sign. You know, Pine actually looked in control most of the game. He wasn't making bad decisions. He was able to scramble. He was able to improvise. You know, that underhanded shovel pass to estimate, I think, was in the second quarter. Was it's crazy. I thought for sure he fumbled. Um, and third quarter, I thought for sure he fumbled. But you know, he had that amazing you know, improvisation to get that ball out there. So Pine definitely turned a corner even more so in this game, I think, than the North Carolina game, where now he's got some serious confidence. Uh, and I think the confidence with knowing that you can just throw the ball up and Meyer's going to get it. 
uh, who knows how that works against the Clemsons of the world, but against BYU, it was more than enough. So I never had an uncomfortable feeling that we were going to you know, blow it. Um, so fortunately, we, we didn't, and we kept, we kept control. I was hoping we'd get a touchdown there at the end instead of a field goal. But, you know, when we put it up eight, I felt comfortable that we were going to pull it out, and the defense stepped up and did their thing. So uh, that's where I was at. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, right? The second game in a row, you know, you and I watched the North Carolina game at your house, together at your house. And it was not that it was a similar game, but, you know, it was it's kind of the same thing what we've seen from the Irish this year. And as they've kind of started to get their feet under them, they don't have the best first quarter, right? Didn't have a good first quarter against UNC. Actually, I think we were down 7 nothing at the end of the first quarter. But the second quarter in both the UNC game and the BYU game, the Irish have really owned it. And especially as it relates to scoring before we head into half. And then in both those games, we've received the kickoff uh, coming out third quarter. In both those games, we've, we've gotten a big touchdown to kind of put the game kind of out of reach. And then in both games, you know, UNC had a couple of long kind of touchdown passes that were broken plays and they got back into it. Same thing with BYU, two touchdowns. But then at the end, you know, the Irish, like you said, um, got the field goal, but, you know, wish it was a touchdown. Same thing in UNC. They ended up having a long drive and got a touchdown and, uh, you know, kind of put the game away. So I, I don't know. It seems like, like you said, it seems like Pine's starting to come into his own. Um, the team is really kind of starting to gra- get a grasp of things. I'd love to see them get a little bit better start in the first quarter um, because I think if they can do that and if they can continue to dominate that second quarter and you know, then once again punch things in to begin a third, this is going to be a team that's going to be tough for a lot of teams to defend moving forward. So, yeah, I was uh, I was a little nervous towards the, you know when it got to twenty five twenty. I, I I will admit, um, and you know even when they were up twenty eight twenty. We were thinking back, oh, man, Freeman shouldn't have gone for two at that one point. You know, don't chase the points that early in the game when they went for two, when they went up 18-6. So then you're like, okay, well, if we had that extra point, it'd be 29-20, and now BYU's got to score two, 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 on two drives. But either way, a good win. Um, and we'll kind of go through the players uh, from a grading standpoint here in a second. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this sets the season up for, you know, a pretty different trajectory. You know, if you're losing and you're 2-3, and three, we have a whole lot different outlook on the season. But now we're 3-2 and two with the opportunity for, uh, you know, three winnable games here and then as we head into Clemson. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. And I think, uh, I think the team's starting to come together and, and there's lots for us that we can build upon in this, in this game. If you look at the, uh, so, you know, you mentioned our slow starts, and I was just like, I was interested to see, like, what our scoring has been by quarter over the last five games. And, you know, like you said, we always, we've been starting slow. Like, we're getting outscored 20 to 6 in the first quarter this season. But in the second quarter, we're, we're outscoring out our opponents 60 to 26. So we're obviously doing, we're, 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 we're starting slow and then recouping right away. And in the third and the fourth quarter, it's pretty even, you know, our points with our opponents over the course of the season. So, you know, we have to figure out a way to stop starting slow where we're, we're getting outscored by you know, 14 points. But then if we can keep up the second quarter, I mean, we're finishing the first half strong in every game. You know, uh, even the uh, uh, the Ohio State game, we've had that lead in the, in the in the first half because we held Ohio State to, to, to such low numbers. I think it was 10 to 7 and a half in that game. Yep. So, you know, we got to figure out the, the start. we got to figure out the finish. Um, but the second quarter, we're, we're going crazy. So I, I think um, I, I think. Like I said, I think it feels like the team has found a little bit of an identity. They know they've got three capable backs. They know they've got a, a first-team All-American tight end. Pine is slowly developing himself into a consistent passer, confident thrower, uh, you know, a scr- even a scrambler to some level. He had a couple of, he had one, at least one large, large scramble on third down for a first. So if he can keep that up, um, the defense is, is solid. If not, you know, they're not spectacular by any, by any definition, but they're definitely solid. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be someone we can, we can, we can get to a, a pretty respectable season at this point. So happy to have it's turning out. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I've listened to a, a bunch of the podcasts already this week. And I, I, this is so true. And I'm sure you probably felt this way watching the game. You know, it's crazy. Hall, their quarterback, who averages like 280 yards passing, he had nine pa- nine passing yards at halftime, which is crazy yeah. to think that. That's nuts. Um, but then, you know, and you look at his overall stats, he actually only had 120 yards passing for the whole game. I think he got 50-some on that one touchdown pass to the one guy on the broken play. Um, and the defense is, you know, you didn't have anyone come out of the game like, oh, great game by X, great game by Y, great game by Z from a defense standpoint, but they still held BYU to 20 points. They held them below their average. You know, from an offensive standpoint, BYU didn't put up nearly the numbers that they usually do, and that's kind of been the case. You know, same thing against UNC. You know, there wasn't anyone that we were like, oh, my God, what an amazing game by this player, but we held Drake May way below his average. We held UNC way below what they typically score. Same thing with Ohio State. We held them, you know, they we held them to 21 points. I don't think you – Ohio State scored less than 45 in a game since that game. So it's it's definitely, if they can fix some of the breakdowns that they have, you know, they, they kind of give up really weird long passing plays at some point in every game. If we can yeah. fix that, you know, this is a team that, you know, is going to probably hold the opponent to 20 and under, and all we got to do is get three or four touchdowns, and we should be winning every game. Now, once again, like you said, I don't know what happened against the Clemson of the world, you know, USC. I don't think actually their defense is any good, but, um, you know, these next two games at least should be winnable. And then it's like, okay, gather yourselves for, you know, probably going to be a tough game in Syracuse. Um, but just continue to grow, continue to figure out who's playing well and, and who to insert in different places. And like I said, we'll cover this here in our grades, but why don't we start to get into that a little bit here? Um, well, we'll start off with our grades for the main coaches. So looking at grade from Marcus Freeman, Al Golden, uh, Tommy Reese, and then Coach Mason from special teams. I'll give my quick think of, take on everything, Sweets, and I'll pass it over to you. But Marcus Freeman, I'm going to give him um, I'm give him a B-plus from an overall grade. Once again, had the team you know ready to go. We Not the start we wanted in the first quarter, but got the win. In a, you know, a fun environment, got the team up, is now on his third game in a row. I'm going to give him a B plus. I think he continues to figure out things as a head coach. A couple of questionable things from the standpoint of, you know, once again, the two-point conversion and, and a couple of other calls, but overall, great job by him. Al Golden, defensive coordinator. I'm going to give the defense um, a B. You know, it's, it's a better grade if they don't give up some of those kind of, you know, long runs and long passes in the third and fourth quarter. But other than that, I don't think you could ask for a better first half and what we limited BYU to. Uh, Tommy Reese, off- offensive coordinator. I'm going to give him a B plus. You know, schemed Michael Mayer into a lot of open plays. He's got Drew Pine playing a lot better. Um, you know, once again, that second and third quarter, really the Irish are humming and rolling. I would love to see them, you know, kind of really, you know, score a little bit more in the second half and once again score more in the first quarter. But great job by Reese, you know, from a game planning standpoint. And then Coach Mason, uh, special team. I'm going to give a B plus. The only thing that I think kept that from being an A was a long punt return um, by the BYU guy, but John Sack continues to be an absolutely amazing punter. What a great find for the Irish this year. Kickoffs have been great. Nothing really happening on kick returns. I don't think, I don't think either team returned a kickoff. I think everything got down in the end zone, but um, you know, yeah. good job. Ed. Good job. And Blake Groupie was two for two from field goals, even though they were literally like 10 yard field goals. But those are my grades from uh, from an overall coaching standpoint. I'll pass it over to you, Sweets. I don't think I disagree with any of them. Maybe I might bump up uh, uh, Freeman just to an A. I, I think, you know, the team was prepared. The team didn't get distracted. It was a, you know, it, it can't be easy for a head coach to take your team to a neutral site in the middle of the season to uh, an atmosphere that is, you know, not what they're used to. It's a pseudo home game without a home game comforts. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think overall the team was prepared. Now, you know, we talked about the slow start. I think we got to figure out how do we get away from, from not, you know, Kicking that field goal uh, early was frustrating. We needed to punch that in. You get the touchdown. Um, uh, but I think I think he did a, a pretty good job overall. I think Tommy 
Uh, you know, Tommy called a good game. I think overall, you know, I think sometimes he still makes some questionable run run calls, and we need uh, a little bit more creativity. Uh, you know, we can't always punch it through. Our offensive line isn't that good. We don't create, you know, massive holes all the time. So you got to get a little creative when when they know you're going to run. It's tough to it's tough for our team to be able to do that. So I think a little more creativity there. So I think a B plus is a great grade. I, I think Al Golden B plus is fine. I think those two big plays crushed us. You know, you take away the, that big pass play, and it wasn't there the one big run play. You know, we're 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 winning the game outright. You know, those 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 big breakdowns in the second year. I think I heard that Al Golden said that he called a blitz on the play with the big pass that he. Wish he had taken back. Yeah, it was a safety. It was a it was a safety blitz, and he said he said he wished he took it back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was that put, that put the, the DB in, in a bad spot, even though he should have not been, uh, you know, tailing off that that receiver because the guy it couldn't have been more wide open. It was insane. Um, and then the special teams. Yeah, we'll give him a B. I I, I think a B plus. I mean, you know, we kicked our field goals. We had to. They're easy chip shots. Um, the one punt return. I mean, uh, the punter shot boomed it. And I think he almost outkicked his coverage a little bit, but there were two guys who just whiffed and didn't take good angles, and that's that's something to clean up. So those kind of things can bite you, but fortunately they didn't this time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think those grades are, are, are pretty fair. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of thinking about the defense again, and, and as you're talking about Al Golden, I totally forgot that actually when we were up 25-13, they had an I they had the ball on I think it was their seven yard line or five yard line and they had that third and seventeen yard run where they got twenty yards and that was just that was a backbreaker because you know if you stop them there even if he gets ten yards they're punting from their fifteen you're getting good field position you're still up twenty five thirteen you have the chance to go down drive down score go up thirty two thirteen but instead they get that first down they eventually end up scoring it's twenty five twenty so that was a huge momentum play um, but that's yeah. you know that's something that can be fixed you know. It, they 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 showed the replay a few times. They talked about a couple of the uh, you know cornerbacks needed to make a play. Second, the, one of the safety guys was out of position. So things that we can all fix. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it's you know there's there fixable mistakes that we can that we can make moving forward. And I think the linebackers as a whole, they just need to be played, they need to play better. And it sounds like Prince Cali had a great day you know game day of practice today. So I think we're going to start to see him a whole lot more more moving forward. He looked great on that sack. He played really really well in the eight plays he was out there. So. He's someone that I think we should definitely keep our eye on as we move forward here in these upcoming weeks. We, we missed Cross. I mean, him not being in there was a big was a big yep. miss. So you know, we were a little short on that on some of our strength up the middle. So I think uh, if uh, if we're full strength, um, we'll we'll be in a much better place. So there are, like you said, it, what we thought what we thought were completely unfixable after Marshall now looks like a team that is starting to get figure out who they are and all the problems are, are mo- very fixable. So I think that we're in a good spot there. Yeah, I think you know it'd be, it'll be it'll be fun to see if we can get kind of some of the defensive linemen and the linebackers to all play well together. I definitely think that some of them have shown really great in a few games, like Foskey had a great game against Cal. Riley Mills had a great game against UNC. Uh, crosses looked pretty good the whole year, but if we can get all those guys playing well in one game, I think you know I think we could start to see some really cool stuff from this defense. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's take a look at. I'm going to pass it over to you, Sweets, for the first three grades um, from a QB running line and running back and offensive lineman perspective. And I'll, before you give your grades, I'm going to quickly give you just some stats. So, Drew Prine was 22 of 28 for 260 or 200, yeah, 262 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Our leading rusher was Audric Estime with four. 14 carries for 97 yards, but I think actually Diggs had 95 yards carrying too. And then um, from an offensive line perspective, um, no stats, but you know I think we continue to see improvements. So looking for your grades uh, from QB, running back, and offensive line. Okay. Uh, I got to give Drew Pine an A. I think he played a complete game. I think he 
he, like I said, he showed confidence. And I think I heard the, in the Freeman press conference, he's playing with a lot of confidence now. And um, he was even asked, I, I couldn't believe it. He was asked in the presser, I think it was yesterday or today, you know, does he regret uh, calling Buckner as the starter from day one? I mean, we, who would have thought after the, the Marshall time he got in and the Cal game that people were going to be saying, you know, should he have started all along? I mean, that's a crazy thought after, you know, three games later that we're in that position. But, you know, like I said, he, he's looking like a real college quarterback. He's looking like he's got the confidence and he's, he's able to improvise and make plays with his feet. He's able to scramble. So he looked great. I'd give him an A. I think the running back by committee that we've become with, with Diggs and with Tyree and with Estime is a force. I mean, I think that they all bring something different. Um, you know, Estime gets the tough yards and can, can kind of hurdle over people now and, and get break in the, in the uh, you know, when he gets out there in space. You know, Tyree wasn't anything spectacular on, on Saturday. You didn't really hear, hear him much. He was more of the uh, complimentary player this time. And, you know, that's fine for the team if they can have three guys uh, and all of them contribute and, you know, one or two of them, you know, steps away. So I'll give the running backs a, a B-plus overall. You know, they weren't spectacular, but I think that they, they did enough and they and they opened up, a, a, they allowed Pine to, 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 uh, to do his thing. I also saw a couple of replays that, Diggs was able to pick up some serious blocks. He had a couple of chips off of some of some, some linemen that he was able to pick up a, a blitzing linebacker to give Pine that pocket that he hadn't seen in the in the Marshall game or even the Cal game. So, you know, improvement in, in run blocking for those running backs is or pass blocking for those running blocks is, is gonna be huge going forward. And then the offensive line was was solid, if not spectacular, so I'll give him a B plus. So A, B plus, B plus is how I'm gonna grade it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on the Pine stuff. I'm going to give him an A, too. I mean, what a, like you said, what a night and day difference from that Marshall game where he yeah. came in and, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And actually, I think through two interceptions, only one of them counted. Uh, but he's got control of the offense. You know, I think that what he was at 70 some percent completion percentage. The interception was bad. I will say that, you know, that he definitely yeah. threw that one into double coverage, even if that hadn't been tipped. That might have even gotten intercepted either way, or or Mayer was getting absolutely crushed on that play. But he's starting to find some of the wide receivers. You know, Jaden Thomas was great to see him get involved. You know, he needs, I think, to get Lorenzo Style involved a little bit more. We'll talk about Mayer in our tight end grades, but he's just he's he's playing well, and it's it's neat to see. And let's see if he can continue moving forward. Running backs, I will agree, B plus. Um, I felt bad for Tyree. He didn't, he didn't seem like he could get his footing um, in the game. He just kept on slipping. It seemed like he dropped that screen pass, which probably would have gone for a long, long, maybe even a touchdown on that one drive, which was too bad. But Estime and Diggs looked really good. You know, Diggs almost broke that run there at the end. Estime almost broke that forty, you know, one yard run into the touchdown too. So yeah, it, the three headed monster is really starting to prove itself out, which is awesome. And I thought the offensive line played really well. I'll give him a B plus as, as well. I would like to see, you know, as we get into, I'm, I'm not giving them an A because our red zone offense was horrible at the end of the day, and I would have liked to have seen us punch in more for for touchdowns. And if we could have done that, this game would have been, you know, easily in our hand for a long time. So I'll give them a B plus. But they are starting to play really, really well. Um, we're starting to see them gel, and it's, you know, I think having Patterson back for his last few games has made such a huge difference. So that's that's great to see. Let's see if they can continue it, and you know. Stanford does not have a good run defense, so this should be a game where they should be able to continue to run. So, um, all right, moving on to wide receiver and tight end. I'll give my grades, um, and then I'll pass it back to you, Sweet. So, wide receiver, I'm going to give a uh, B to the wide receivers. Um, great to see Jane Thomas get involved. Three catches, one touchdown. That touchdown catch was awesome. 
he could be this could be his breakout game. You know, he's a bigger wide receiver. He's the kind of guy we could throw the back corner fades to. He's the kind of guy we can throw back shoulder passes to. We needed someone to emerge. Hopefully he's the guy that's emerging here moving forward. I do hope that we continue to get Lindsay involved, whether that's on post routes or whether that's on end arounds or something. I still think he brings value to the team. Um, and I think we just need to get him get him the ball sometimes and he doesn't get thrown at that much. Um Styles had a few good catches. I think we can get him the ball more, but if you can get those three guys involved more and add him into you know what we're doing with Mayer, obviously involving our running backs in the in the passing game, and then continue to hopefully get a Joe Wilkins, Deion Colsey, and the rest of those guys involved at some point too. Um, I don't think I'm missing. Am I missing? I know I'm missing one guy there, um, but I'll, I'll think of it. But all right, B to them, and then. Michael Merritt, this might be the first time I've ever done this. I'm giving him an A-plus on uh, the tight ends. Holden Stays caught a pass, which was cool to see. Raritan was out there blocking. But what a, what a beast Michael Merritt was. Best tight end in all of college football. A-plus for the tight ends. I don't know what, what more you can say. Yeah, the, the tight end is A-plus. It's, it's the most complete game for a tight end I've seen on Notre Dame team, you know, since, you know, the days of Kyle Rudolph. And, you know, maybe you could throw in, uh, you know, Cole Komet had some decent games back in the day where he, like, I remember what, Stanford a couple of years ago. That's probably, like, eight years ago now whatever it was but yeah michael Mayer was a beast and when, whenever you I, I was in the corner where he caught his first touchdown pass and you could just see him just get it i mean he, he just has he catches everything with his hands see nothing comes into his body he high points every ball uh he will be a top 10 pick in this year's draft i mean i, I think there's no way that's not going to happen so a plus is is more than fair um on the wide receiver front you know i i give him I mean, I'm going to give him a B, and they probably would have been a little bit lower if it wasn't for Jaden Thomas. I mean, you know, Jaden Thomas's catch was remarkable. He caught it behind a guy's back with one arm and snagged it over his shoulder pads and then walked into the end zone. You know, that, that guy really, um, you know, like you said, I think this could be a game where now he's got some confidence that, you know, not only is he confident he can get it, I think Pine realizes that, you know, he can throw it up to that guy uh, and, and, tr- and trust him like he does even a mayor. Maybe not quite the same level, but, you know, Jaden Thomas, we, we needed a receiver other than Lindsey or – or or um, or, uh, or Styles uh, to step up, and it looks like Jaden Thomas is maybe that guy. I'd love to see, you know, they keep talking about Merriweather getting some reps. I'd love to see him get out there, but you know, he's not really. There's not targeting me yet. I'm not sure if that's uh, intentional or not, you know. But that's not happening. And then you know, Joe Wilkins, you know, he's been non-existent, you know, this whole season, and to have him get some more action would be great as well. But um, you know, I, I will give the receivers a, a B. Um, and then was that it? Receivers and tight ends, all we're talking about. Right yeah, now? that was it. Yeah, and that was the guy I forgot was Merriweather. I knew I was forgetting. Yeah, and he was he was out there. I think he was out there for five or seven plays. But yeah, he didn't get any targets. Um, but yeah, man, hopefully these next couple of games at home will will give him the opportunity to because I think they're at the point now too where if he's not. You're probably you've probably played him enough that he's not going to be redshirted, but I mean you've got so many wide receivers coming in next year. I don't think it matters either way. So um, yeah, let's hope that they can get him involved. Um, if if just they can get maybe one more wide receiver involved there, it just it gives everyone a little bit of a break and it gives the other teams something else to defend. So um, all right, let's take a look at. Um, I'll start off with the defensive line and linebackers. Um, and uh, then I'll pass it over to you as well after you give those grades to do cornerbacks and safeties. But uh, defensive line, uh, I'm going to give that a C minus. Um, you know, they they didn't get a ton of pressure on Hall. You know, Hall wasn't picking them apart, but he, they didn't get a ton of pressure on him. Obviously, they did not do a great job from run defense standpoint. I think, like you said, Tweets, you know, we definitely missed Howard Cross in this game. You know, if, <laughs> I don't know why Jacob Lacey transferred because he would have started and he would have played probably 60 plays in that game. So I just, that's kind of confounding to me. I don't, it's just, uh, that is what it is. But, 
and he would have been a starter next year, or he would have played a lot next year too. So it's it's kind of weird. I just feel like that guy was I don't know. Anyways, that's that's beyond the point. But yeah, not a whole lot from Riley Mills. Um, I thought um, uh, you know Nana Asasa Menfu had a good game. I thought he was he was making plays. Um, but you know there just wasn't Fosky was in there a couple times, but didn't make a ton of you know he didn't get a sack. He had a couple of pressures, but yeah, C minus for the defensive line. They've got, they've got to continue to get get better. There's a ton of depth there. Rubio is playing a bunch, but. You know they're going to have to kind of you know figure something out on the run defensive side, and then linebackers, same thing. I'm going to give them a C minus. I thought Prince Cali played really well when he was out there, but he wasn't out there for more than ten plays. Um, you know Kaiser looks good on some plays, then not on others. Bertrand looks good on some, but not on others. I didn't think Leafau played good at all. He was out there, but you know, he couldn't get home. He wasn't you know his blitzes. He always running into guys. So I think we got to start to see a little bit more. Bauer made Bo Bauer made a great defensive line play on the on the goal line. That was a nice tackle by him, but. By, from all accounts, it sounds like he's injured, so that's why he's not playing as much. But they're going to have to figure out a better rotation from a linebacker perspective because we, they're, they're just, you know, the guys on Irish Sports Daily continue to point this out. There's no havoc from the Irish defense. The, the havoc rate's awful. So you need your linebackers to be making havoc plays, and if they're not making it, you got to you got to try and fix something up. So I'll pass it over to you, Sweets, to give your linebackers then at defensive line grades. Yeah, it was an unspectacular performance. However, there were two very key plays of the defense. You know, the safety was huge. Um, I think the safety stood, uh, when we, we got that safety in the first quarter, um, and we were able to, uh, you know, get that, was it 12 to 6 at that point, we were able to kind of, I think that really, I mean, if, if they, they got the ball back there after we didn't score and they and they took it down the field, you know, it, it could be a different ball game. So that safety was a key momentum shifter. Um, we also had the big fourth down stop. Uh, you know, I think it was a bad play call by BYU. But, you know, I, I think I'm going to grade him a little bit higher. I think inconsistent and unspectacular are the two comments I'd make. But we gave, we gave Golden a B, so I can't give the entire defense C minuses or else we're inconsistent <laughs> with our grading. So I'm going to give him like a C plus, uh, both sides of that ball. Um, I think they, you know, they, they held their position. They didn't make anything spectacular. I, I really want to see Foskey break out. Like he said, he had a couple of plays. But, you know, I want to see him running over the field like, uh, you know, like players of the past, whether it's um, – uh, you know, Jalen Smith or, you know, or something like that, you know, or, or JOK, you know, those kind of plays we need out of a Foskey to make a, to make a real push here for us, you know, in solid season or even a great season if it's possible. But, you know, I, I think that they're, they're, they were consistent, although unspectacular. Awesome. And now, uh, uh, linebackers. Oh, the linebackers, I'll, I'll give them a C plus as well. I, I, I think overall they, you know, again, the same as the D line and, and the linebackers to me were, were about the same grade. They they did just enough to get by. Um, no one again was running around the field and like you you were saying. Irish Sports Daily said they just don't they don't seem to be attacking very well. I think overall um, they're just they're just consistent enough. And they, if they had played a little bit better and had you know got a little bit more pressure, this game wouldn't have even been in doubt at all. I mean, we would have had this game wrapped up by halftime easy. And we just didn't have that. So if they can take the next leap, you know, the offense took a leap yesterday or Saturday. I think the defense is next on that list to start playing what we thought they might be coming into the season. Um, and then if they get that done, then we're going to be in a much better place. But but again, nothing you know, nothing major. Uh, I think we're going to do defensive backs next because that's what I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah, you go ahead. You no no. You I'll keep it with you. You do uh, cornerbacks and safeties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the, the big blown coverage play, you know marred what you know what overall was a pretty good effort by the dbs i mean you get the, he was the way we had him when you say nine yards at halftime passing for uh for uh yeah for nine a, yards yeah that's crazy i mean that that's you know they were the reason they were ranked and the reason they had a lot of momentum we mean byu was because of their quarterback so 
the DBs did a great job on their receivers. And you take away that one blown play, and again, the game's not close. So they clean up that mess, and if you know they get a better uh, play call, and they don't, you know, do another. I think Golden seems to be taking some big swings every once in a while that I think he shouldn't do. You know, I don't think we're we're able to do that yet, and you know, maybe we will be come Clemson game, which I hope we are. But I think if uh, if they can clean up some of those those mental errors and 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 in the backfield, I think we'll be in a much better place. But I'll, I'll give the I'll give the linebackers that. I'll give them a B B B minus. I, I think overall they did a good job, except for the one blown play. You mean the secondary? Secondary, oh, sorry, secondary, yep. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, the Clarence Lewis almost had a pick six, you know, it was he could have made a really good play there. Um, you know, you didn't hear Morrison's name a ton, which is good. You know, I, when you don't hear your cornerback's name a ton, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like, you know, Cam Hart had a good first half, you know, made a nice play on, on that screen play that BYU tried to run. So, yeah, I mean, they held Hall to way below his average. Um, but we, once again, we continue to see some of those breakdowns that, that just can't happen. I listened again to it today and Freeman said on the, on the, the touchdown pass, it sounded like Mickey's supposed to kind of take that guy a little bit further and he didn't. Um, you know, probably just kind of him going back to his high school days of like, you know, he can, you can play and make mistakes and still make plays, but you can't do the same in, in college. So, um, cornerbacks, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a B and then the safeties I'll give, uh, I'll give a B as well. Um, you know, still think we need to see a little bit more from Brandon Joseph, you know, Houston Griffiths out there and, you know, just once again, not making any plays DJ Brown. You didn't hear his name a ton. Um, Tariq Bracey did get hurt there at the end. Hopefully he's okay. It sounds like it's a grade one hamstring injury. Um, you know, I got a feeling that he's not going to play that is something that you know even if he is at you know 75 percent speed that you can't play with that and you know he's the kind of guy that you need to get healthy over these next few weeks so maybe you sit him against stanford you probably have the luxury to be able to do that and you know maybe he comes back against unlv or maybe you'd sit him there and then he's back for for syracuse but um yeah i think if they can figure out a few of the mistakes um you know and and kind of you know just have continue to not have some of these breakdowns it's it's pretty solid secondary relative to what I think we've seen over at Notre Dame, especially with some of these young guys really starting to play and play well. So, yeah. All right. And I think just back to the, the DB, so that, you know, first quarter, first play of the game pick uh, was really, a, you know, it set the tone early. And the game, you know, the game, had bar- the, the smoke was still coming out of the uh, tunnel when that pick was made. And, um, and granted, it was a gift wrap pick. I don't know what that throw was. I mean, look at him, it's a punt. But, you know, he, we got it. He stood up there and got it. And I think that really helped kind of, that any any uh, uneasiness the Notre Dame fans had about maybe this BYU team is for real was completely you know snapped at that point, and we I, I knew at that point we were going to be in a fine position to win the game. So that that was a good starter for sure. Yeah, I think you know it's funny it's for as for as as tough as you know it's once again kind of going back to the defense as a whole for as like scary as some of these offenses are you know the unc offense is supposed to put up a zillion points BOU's offense supposed to be unstoppable you ohio state's offense unstoppable we've actually played them really really well i know i said this earlier in the podcast but we're nitpicking on a few of these things but like yeah i mean the defense has played really well we're holding most teams way below their average and if once again if we can just figure out a few things i think they're going to be in a really good spot so it's fun to be nitpicking and not throwing our hands up saying what the hell's going on. So I'll take what I can get at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, so let's go back to our updated record. So I'm gonna sweet. So I'm gonna kind of give my layout of my records, and then I'm gonna give where I think we're at moving forward, and then I'll, I'll ask you where you think we're gonna finish at. So I started the season at ten and two, following Ohio State. I stayed at ten and two, um, following the Marshall loss. I went down to eight and four. At this point, we we're zero and two. Following Cal with the win to go to one and two, I stayed at eight and four. Um, following the UNC game, um, I actually moved it up to nine and three. Um, you know, I thought we looked good, and I thought that we were going to continue to look good. 
And following BYU, I'm going to stay at nine and three. I, th- I still think that there could be another loss out there for the Irish. But you know, once again, starting at the season with two losses and and you know looking at possibly a nine and three record here is uh, you know still pretty good. So I'm going to stick with nine and three for right now. Where are you at, Sweets? Yeah, I mean, so there's it's probably only three games that we'll be underdogs in, and I think maybe only two. I mean, we'll probably be if we win against um, against Stanford and UNLV, and we're sitting there at five and three. Five and two. Sorry, going into the Syracuse game, we should be. You think we'll be uh, underdogs in that game? I, I, I no, I, I, no way will we be underdogs, even if they're ranked. I mean, look at BYU is ranked 16th in the country, and we were still yeah. favored to win. I think if we're five and two, and I would imagine we've looked pretty good in these last two games, I think we're at least a seven point favorite going into Syracuse. And Syracuse plays, I think, the weeks leading up to us, they play Clemson and North Carolina State, so they might even be, you know, five and two at that point. So one more one more loss in your in your prediction of nine and three means that we beat either Clemson or USC. All right. Yep. Are you going to say who that is yet? I'm not going to say no. I, I I need to see his next couple of games and then uh, I'll, I'll have a better idea. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll probably stick with eight and four at this point. I think that there's a there's a you know I I think nine and three is very is, is very realistic, but I think eight and four is probably the most um, the most realistic of the of the records right now. I think that like you said, we will be favored in every game except for those two games. Uh, Syracuse and USC and you know USC is not a, not a world beater I don't think they have a powerful offense but their defense is suspect so um, the Clemson home crowd may give us an edge so I hope we get one of those games but I'm just going to go with eight and four for now give me one give me two more games talk to me after the uh, after the UNLV game if we take care of business and none of those games are anything we have to care about come the third quarter then I'll feel better about a nine and three record prediction yeah, I think I think these next two games are games where you'd love to see us, you know, get Angeli a couple of a couple of quarters of play it would be awesome if we could do that. So, uh, typically not something we do, um, but let's see if we can do it. So, all right, let's answer some questions. We did get some listener questions coming in today. Um, sorry, I didn't throw it out to a ton of people, but um, I got a few good ones. Um, so uh, we'll kind of rifle through these and we'll take a look at Stanford here um, and give our thoughts on that game and then our score predictions. So um, some good questions from Augie Rizzo, who once again was in the in, in Vegas for the game. Um, Augie's first question, is it time to sit Braden Lindsay and play younger receivers or use running back tight ends instead? His production has been minimal, so it feels like anyone could be out there. Um, so I'll answer that one and I'll, then you can give me your thoughts. I, I think you still got to play Lindsay. I think he's put in the time, he's put in the effort, you know, He's a guy that's you know dedicated a lot, and once again, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. But I still think he's a guy that you can run post routes to. I think still think he's a guy you can do jet sweeps with. I still think he's a guy that if you can hit him on a crossing route, he can make a play. So I think you still give him still give him an opportunity to make plays uh, and see what happens. I don't you know I don't think that there's you know a ton of guys. You know I wish there was more guys knocking on the door, but kind of the wide receiver position is what it is. So I think he continued to play him. Yeah, I don't think we have the uh, the comfort level to sit anyone or to, to move any people in. I think we got to play them all, and I think you play them all, um, and you stick with a guy who's hot. So if you can get a guy open, um, and he starts catching a couple balls, he stays in. But I think he, I think he has to play more. I think he, like I said, I think we got to get Merriweather in there. Got to get him a couple targets, get him a catch. Um, I, I think we, we probably he's probably played in four games. I don't, or maybe three or four. He's not played in his full four yet. He probably still could redshirt, but. I don't think that's in the cards for, for Merriweather, at least from what I hear Freeman saying. So I think you play more. I think you try to get the young guys some reps. But, you know, you got to hope that, that Styles and Lindsey become go-to guys down the stretch here. So, yeah, I think you keep going after 
Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, second question from Augie, uh, kind of around the same same vein. It says, people complain that young guys don't play and then complain when young guys play and blow an assignment. Which side of crazy are you on? Um, I think it really depends on the position. Um, you know, obviously there are certain positions where it's very intricate that you know the right play, that you know the right route. I think offensive line, I think you can make some mistakes here and there because it's it's not as noticeable. But wide receiver, if you're running the wrong route, you know, or if you're not getting lined up in the right right position, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do there. So, um, yeah, I think I think wide receiver is one of the ones where you, you specifically have to know every single play. Um, and if you don't know what you're doing out there, then it can really mess up because you know that's just it's one less person on the on the field that's that's figuring things out. Whereas I think you can make mistakes on offensive line, you can make mistakes on defensive line. They're covered up. Cornerbacks, that's not as much as so, right? You can't make mistakes on cornerbacks or it's going to be seven points. So I think it depends on the position. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a crowd out there that always wants young guys to play, and there's always a crowd out there that wants, you know, the veterans to play. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Sweets? It depends on the position depth, right? So if you got a bunch of guys who are, you know, seniors, fifth years, and you have, you want experience, and, you know, what's what's your team's current trajectory? You know, if you're early, if you got a team that's, that's been eking out some wins and has got, you know, an undefeated season or one loss and you got a shot at a, at a big bowl or even a playoff berth. Maybe you want to pause on some young guy development, but when you're, when you lost to Marshall and you're, and you got two losses, you know, this is a coach's first year, you know, he's building for the future. I think you play the young guys now. So it really depends on a lot of different circumstances, but I agree with your take that it does matter by position too. You know, you got to get some young guys, you always see lots of uh, freshman uh, linemen playing because you get some get some uh, reps for the future, and you can rotate them in and out a little bit easier, and it's it's a little bit less uh, visible. So, um, depth, position, and you know what's the trajectory of your team are really important factors. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even I didn't think that that or say that you're so true. It's so true on trajectory of your season. If you're not doing anything, why not play young guys? But if you're, if you're still in the mix for a really good bowl or stuff like that, you got to play the guys that know what they're doing. All right, next question comes from uh, Dr. Vijay Thangamani, good friend of the pod, friend of ours. Who starts next year at QB, Pine, Buckner, or Angeli? Or will they have anyone to throw to anyways? Um, I mean, if Pine continues to do what he's doing, I don't see why he's not the starter next year. That's my thoughts. I don't know what more there is to say. I mean, obviously we have to see what happens for the rest of the year, but if the kid continues to do what he's doing right now, he should be the starter next year. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if Pine keeps playing the way he did on, on Saturday he's uh, and, and, and continues to finish the season strong, you know, he'll, he'll have a stranglehold of position. I think there's a, you know, in a, in, a, in a perfect world, there's a situation where you have a package for a Buckner since he's such a great runner. Um, you know, what does that say about Angeli? You know, he's only a freshman. You know, how long will he sit? You know, when is car, is car going to reclassify? Is he going to be on the roster next year? I don't know that yet. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, you know a couple – a couple of few weeks ago, we were talking about having no quarterbacks, and now we're talking about who's the starter of three. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a good position to be in. So I hope Pine lights it up, and I hope uh, there is a quarterback controversy. But if he keeps playing like he will and he keeps improving, uh, he's going to he's gonna earn that, that start next year. And then it's a matter of how do you get other guys involved. Yeah, and I think I mean I I think most of us any fans we don't care who plays quarterback we just want the guy that's good right we want the guy that knows what he's doing that makes the plays so if that's Pine Buckner and Jelly I don't I don't care but Pine's clearly showing that he's the guy that can make the plays so let's stick with him so I um, would like to get like you said so I want to see Angeli play at least a quarter against UNLV and maybe even Stanford you know if he can get in there let let's see what his arms like let's see what his mobility's like his decision making just to see what he's got I mean all we saw was the blue gold game where who cares so you know i'd like to see him get some reps later in the year yeah fully agree all right next question from man and pincus uh, our good buddy and friend of the pod uh if marcus Freeman wins out this year and beats down clemson and usc for his juku cover photo shoot shirt on or shirt off 
Uh, I'm going to go Serdan. I'm going to go uh, Bomber Jacket um, a la Top Gun. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Please? Well, there's no more Dylan of a question than that question right there. Uh, you got to go, I guess, you know, in, in honor of the Dylan contingent, go shirt off. I mean, those guys love their, you know, not 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 as much anymore at the, at the age of 44, but back in the day, those guys love no shirts. So we'll go to no shirt thing. I think uh, I think they, it, it, the third option should have been tank top for Dylan. I'm sure that that was probably that, that, that's what he missed. Yeah, mesh tank top. Um, all right, next question uh, comes from my dad, Mike Brennan, uh, class of '69. Shout out, Dad! Uh, thanks for your your really really long question and text message today. Uh, I'm gonna get to the first one and then I'll get to the original one. But uh, my dad said, uh, "Oh yes, when we blitz, not from 20 yards out, and you have to go." to hell bent to get to the QB. Don't try to dodge a block or wasted effort. The OSU game, we gave up a TD because it came from too far back. It was a useless effort. And I think we saw the same thing against BYU and same thing happened touchdown. So I agree, Dad. And I think we talked about this earlier, Sweets and I did. Uh, no more safety blitzes from... Uh, you know, the deep side, you know, if you're going to run a safety up, just bring them to the line. Don't have them come from 15 yards out because they're not getting home. They're either getting blocked or they're giving the quarterback way too much time and leave someone, someone on an island. And if Bracey's hurt, you cannot do that moving forward because, you know, he's probably your best defensive back right now and you can't leave those guys out there. So we've talked a lot about that, Sweets. I don't need your opinion on that one. We'll go to the next one. <laughs> uh, so at the beginning question, says, hi, listener to the podcast, inquiring minds want to know, why can't we find a way to score better then a field goal went in the red zone. Put Mayer in the backfield, use two running backs. Um, Sweets, any thoughts on anything else you would do to improve the red zone offense? I mean, it's been pretty good so far this year. You know, this game was a little bit of a, a stall, but anything that you would have done differently? Well, I, I think, you know, so red zone, so if it's short yardage, if we're like on the three or four, you know, Tommy seems to love to go back to let's pound it. I think he still feels like we have an offensive line that's a pounded offensive line. I'm not sure if they're quite there, although Patterson has definitely started playing well. Um, you know, I, I just like more misdirection. I think Pine, you know, with Buckner in there, they used a lot of quarterback runs, and they've completely abandoned that mentality without without Buckner, and I get it. But, you know, you can, I think Pine has a little bit of mobility. Let's use it. Let's roll him out. Let's, uh, let's get Mayer across the middle. Let's get him dragging across. Let's try to get Lindsey back there somewhere, you know, in the corner route or in a post pattern, like you said. Um, you know, we could run a two backfield set. I love it when Austin May is uh, maybe playing fullback with maybe Diggs or, or Tyree behind. You know, I just don't like the shotgun handoff up the middle on short yardage, whether it's in the red zone or not, when you feel like, you know, you try to make a statement. Let's, I don't need to make a statement. I think we've made enough statements that that's inconsistent. So let's be a little more creative with the play call. Let's make some more mo- motion, some more receiver motion and some more. Um, you know, quarterback mobility plays because I think Pine has the legs to do it, and he's getting the confidence to find guys when he's on a, he's on the run. Yeah, I think I think we sometimes rely a little bit too much on Mayer in the red zone. I think uh, everyone everyone knows we're going to go to Mayer that the one uh, the one third down play where we did kind of that screen to him that was just a bad call. He, 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 minute he caught it, he had three guys to tackle them. Um, I think if I read yeah. that on the. Um, the fourth down play to estimate that it was supposed to be a, a run pass option and he probably should have pulled it. And I guess Salerno was open, so they probably could have done that play there. But yeah, I think, you know, I think if you are going to run it, why not? Yeah, why not put a mayor in the backfield? Why not put that Sherwood in the backfield? Have have blockers ahead, you know, um, you know, do something like that. Or, you know, if if Thomas starts to really kind of show these a player, like you know, maybe do a, a fade to him. I I'm not the biggest fan of the fade because it tends to be a really hard pass that's got to be perfect. But um, you know, with more wide receivers playing a bit, little bit better. Um, but I also wouldn't mind seeing. You know, getting the ball maybe to Tyree to take it around the corner on, on the large, the long side of the field. But you're right, with Buckner not there, we relied on him so much in short yardage to yeah. get those get those quick touchdowns. It's a little bit more difficult. But um, all right, last question from my dad. Um, 
He has said, where is Mer- Merriweather? Um, he stayed in school, didn't come in early to Notre Dame because he wanted to run track. Um, is he having problems learning the routes? Um, why not just you know run a sandlot play to him? It's like a stop and go. That's not a tough tough route to learn. Um, my fear is that he might transfer. Um, kind of cover this dad, but yeah, I think you know he's got to be a guy that's got to get a little bit more playing time. It, it sounds like the coaches need to trust him a little bit more. He was out there against BYU, so let's see if he can get some more plays moving forward. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's. I think we're all hoping that he's a guy that continues to improve and continues to get out there. Um, I'll give this question to you, Sweets. The last question on this part was, why wasn't Merriweather out there for the Hail Mary pass against Cal? He's the biggest guy out there. He could have knocked the ball down. What are your thoughts on putting wide receivers out there for Hail Mary passes on from a defensive perspective? Well, if he can't figure, if he can't get on the field as a receiver, he's not going to get on the field as a defensive back in a key position game. You know, you're going to rely on your on your DBs that know how to th- do things right now. They didn't do the right thing. They didn't bat the ball down. But you know, I, I think overall you got to uh, you got to trust your DBs there. I think you know the Merriweather question is something we've talked about a lot here. I think it would the, the coaching staff's never going to say in a press conference, but it's obvious when you got a freshman superstar recruit and he's not seeing the field early, it's because he's not understanding the offense yet he's not knowing where to line up he's not knowing the route structure he's not knowing the cadence and you know a lot of the the look to the sideline checks you know he's not he's not understanding that enough to be trusted and that'll come uh and i'm hopefully it'll come by before clemson because i do think we need to get him some targets and i'd like a you know against a unlv or a stanford get him out there in the second quarter and just target him quick on an on a short route you know, get him a catch get him get him into the end of the flow of the game so he gets a little bit of confidence and then he'll go from there but but yeah i, I think we'll see more in later in the season Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then, geez, Dad, last few questions. I had some questions about the linebackers playing opposition. I think we answered those. So we won't cover that anymore. And then, I don't know, some question about the Packers going for you know really bad red zone offense. Um, I didn't see their game. I, did the Packers have a bad offense in the red zone this weekend? I didn't even see it. Did you see the sweets? Well, they were playing in London. That was really, really, really early Vegas time on Sunday when we got up post-game. I saw the last minute of the game. Uh, and I did not watch enough to pay attention, so I can't answer the Packers question. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to answer Packers questions on this pod, Dad. This is a Bears pod, so uh, if anything. Um, all right, we've got about so we've got about six minutes left because this thing turns off at an hour. Um, so the last question is from Pierce Lanahan, um, you know, one of our favorite listeners of the pod um, out in the New York, upstate New York region, Rochester area. Um, and his question kind of goes into the Stanford preview and look at that. So um, his question, is it better for Notre Dame to go to the air this weekend against Stanford? Um, and we're going to answer that, Pierce. I think the Irish need to run the ball. I think they need to continue to do what they're doing in these last few games, continue to drive a dominant offensive line that's going to continue to c- control the clock, eat up the clock, and just kind of break the other team down. So I think, um, while I do think we'll probably throw the ball a good amount this weekend, I think the run is what's going to drive that. And I think if, same thing against BYU, if we can rush for over 200 yards, the Irish should easily and handily win. Um, but I think it's kind of that balanced offense that we're wanting. And I don't think Stanford's defense is very good from a, a run perspective. So I think we're going to have to hammer the run. We've got the th- kind of three-headed monster we've talked about. We're finally back home. Um, so I think the Irish tend to run the ball a lot this weekend. So, Sweets, so I'll pass it over to you to give any thoughts on Stanford before we give our uh, predictions. So Stanford is not a good team. Uh and I think I was listened to a podcast today that you know, talked about the fact that in the last few years, Stanford seemed to have one big game a year. And it felt like this past weekend when they lost to Oregon State, they had a chance to have that as their one big game. Um, they didn't win it. Um, so, you know, do they have one more bullet in their gun to try to do something against us? I just don't see it. Uh, I'm predicting 35-17 Notre Dame. That's my prediction of the score. I think we cover. 
Um, I think we, uh, we we win it convincingly. I do agree. We'll run the ball early. I think we'll mix in some passes as well because Meyer has become a focal point for Drew Pine and the comfort you know comfort zone for Drew Pine. But I think you know between Estimate Diggs and Tyree, I think you're going to see some significant running in the first quarter and maybe the whole first half. So hopefully that's enough to, to put it out of put it out of out of contention early in the first half. Yeah, I think um, I think this is going to be a game where I think once again coming out of this game, I think we're going to say, wow, you know what a blip that that Marshall game was. And, and this, this Irish team is a lot better than what we've kind of proven out earlier in the season. So um, my thoughts on this game, I, I, like I said, I think we're going to continue to run the ball well. I think everyone's going to focus on Mayer moving forward here. So I think this is a game where, you know, you get a hold and stays open for some good passes. I think you get an Eli Raritan involved. I think this is another opportunity for you to get the wide receivers involved. Uh, I think you see it kind of like what we had against UNC. You see some running backs catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think the offense continues to expand what they're doing. I think maybe we hit Lindsey on a deep ball in this game. Um, and I think the defense hopefully starts to gain their footing a little bit more. They have, they do have a good quarterback. I think their offensive line is not good at all, but he's a good quarterback and he's someone that can make plays. So we are going to have to not allow him to kind of, you know, have backbreaking plays like we have had these last couple of games. But if we can contain him, if the, if the defensive line can step up, we can pressure him. This is a game where I think the Irish can cause a few turnovers. Um, and once again, I think this is a game where the Irish continue to improve as the season moves along. So I'm going to go a little bit better or a little bit larger score than you, Sweets. Um, but I am going to go uh, 45 to uh, 21 Irish victory uh, on Saturday night. And once again, I will be there um, with the DCD tailgate. For any of, any of you guys other else that would be there, reach out to me. Um, we're going to have a tailgate um, probably in the bookstore parking lot. So I'm um, looking forward to hopefully seeing you. So uh, Sweets, once again, we have a couple minutes left. Um, any final words before we, uh, before we hit it out of here with the song? Now bring home a victory. Uh, you know, love the good, the first good night game that I'm not going to enjoy it. I, I don't want to go to the night game this time, but uh, I, I feel like I feel comfortable about the game and I'm looking forward to a, to a convincing Irish victory. Yeah. I was looking actually at the weather. It's going to be like, 50 during the day and at night 37 so it's gonna be it's gonna be cold uh yeah it'll be interesting it'll be uh yeah it'll definitely be colder than i think i was expecting especially as we've had such nice weather here in the chicagoland area so all right everyone thanks again for listening to the exit 77 podcast i'm your host drew brennan thanks again as always sweets for joining i really appreciate you taking the time thanks for giving us the lowdown on the vegas weekend and uh yeah let's get a big irish victory uh this weekend to get to four and two against the sanford cardinal um and yeah as always uh let's hope for an irish win and uh go irish we're gonna head it out here with our song go irish Yeah.